Coming up today on the show, we're going to talk about some of the latest news and Splash Mountain is a changing. That's coming up next on Traveling with the Mouse. Welcome everybody to episode 274 of Traveling with the Mouse. This is for Friday, July 3rd, 2020. My name is Adam, and I am joined today by John. How do you do? <laughs> and Jason. I'm not throwing away my shot. Uh, yes, so it is Hamilton time. Yes. I guess we should uh, talk about that off the top of the show. Have you already watched it? Well, considering we have recorded this before it came out, oh, no. Sorry. Are you ready to watch it? Oh, yes, I'm ready. I just got to hope that I can somehow sit down and watch the entire thing without my son coming in trying to... Because the moment I start watching something, he'll come in right. and just be like, <laughs> What's you're not watching that anymore. Right. <laughs> Let's watch. What's he into right now? Minecraft. Oh, anything Minecraft. Oh. There's nothing else on Disney Plus he watches? The main thing that he'll like on Disney Plus is the new Mickey shorts. He thinks those are funny. Yeah, they are funny. He's not really been watching movies on Disney Plus. It's it's kind of strange. I, he He's into YouTube. My son is watching a lot of these like pre-teeny shows on Disney Plus that he's discovered. Mm. I think because some of the older kids... That he knows, watch it, and so he watches them. I don't even know the name of them at this point. But they're mindlessly annoying. And uh, he also watches Descendants, like each one of them, all 48 of them. You know, interestingly enough, Maddie, for whatever reason, wanted to watch Descendants, and she has seen, I think, all three movies at this point. Yep. She doesn't really like watch them religiously or anything, but she has seen them so at different points. I think she got interested in them, though, because some of these YouTube channels she watch, watches, like Totally TV, they quite frequently impersonate Disney characters and princesses in particular, and so they also have done the Descendants characters. So I think that's what may have got her interested in seeing the films. But really, the thing we've watched recently on Disney+, Plus, um, Onward has been seen a couple of times recently, mm-hmm. and... As far as shows, I actually showed a couple of episodes of Phineas and Ferb, and she wants to watch Phineas and Ferb now. So that's pretty good. There you go. And I've always enjoyed, appreciated the humor that Phineas and Ferb gives, uh, especially I think more the side that the adults understand the most. (laughs) You know, it's the type of humor I appreciate. My son is also into zombies. And zombies two apparently, which is some really bad musical. Uh, where zombies I think dancing. I've seen it advertised, yeah. but <laughs> it's so I've, bad. I've seen the scroll scroll by it, I should say. Yeah, it's bad. But, you know, kids like that stuff, so. They can't all be winners. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know how much your son likes to also watch, like, ride-along videos. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So did, uh, did he watch the one that Disney put out for Seven Dwarfs Mine Train? Have you seen that one yet? I saw the Slinky Dog one, the 10-hour <laughs> Slinky Dog. <laughs> No, no, no. Disney officially put out like a ride and learn on Seven Dwarfs Mine Train where they tell you a little bit about, you know, some of the different aspects, like how the two vultures at the beginning um, are from the Snow White Scary Adventures and things like that. It was a a ride through that they put out. Hmm. I I thought he would would be watching that because I know he likes to watch the roller coasters. Yeah, I'll have to find that video and watch it. I haven't seen that one yet. Usually when I'm looking for 
on ride. I always enjoy trying to find lately anyway, the ones that are kind of recreate the experience the best. I think I've shared a couple of them with you guys, but some that I feel like the, the point of view just kind of recreates the ride as best as you can with the camera. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like to see the ones that give you different perspectives mm-hmm. of the ride too, not just the one ride through. Well, I've seen some of the channels that, but you know, because obviously they're not creating new content uh, right now, they had some old ones that I guess they already had. So they said, you know, this is the time I filmed it backwards or, you know, <laughs> they showed you, showed you the whole ride from the back, from the back. Right. Well, that's definitely a different perspective. So I guess we'll talk about some of the news that's been going around before we get to our major story. The one I wanted to start off with was Passholder Preview all of a sudden went live on Monday. Sure. All the days run together now. I think it just, it was like 11 a.m. on Monday morning, I think. It just showed up and got the alert and it was full. It says within 45 minutes, but I felt like it was faster than that because I joined in and then within like 20 minutes it said that it was full. Mm. So it didn't take that long, in other words. so Amazing. Yeah. Of course, the uh, alert, I probably got the alert late, but I just, as soon as I got the alert, I clicked on it and went to a waiting room for 20 minutes. And then all of a sudden it's like, "Mm, it's full. Sorry about that. I mean, they might back out because they might get sick. (laughs) Yes. They may not be able to attend if they have coronavirus or a fever on the day of. Well, I mean, my thought too is how many spots do they really have? No one knows, but, you know, versus the number of annual pass holders there is in the world. a lot. (laughs) Probably mostly the country, but I'm sure there's some abroad. As many as there are, I'm sure it wouldn't take long to fill up any any limited spots that they had. Right, because it was limited anyway, so I knew it would go quickly, and it did. Glad I wasn't trying to go to that, which... What's the status of your current trip? Is it still booked? It's still booked. I mean, I haven't canceled it. They haven't. Nobody's canceled it. So, I mean, as of this moment (laughs) in time, as cases continue to go up and up and up in Florida and other states, for that matter, nothing has been announced as of the recording of this episode yet, as of any closures or anything. So, we shall see. Speaking of resorts, though, apparently uh, the Swan and Dolphins announced that it's offering a 30% discount off resort reservations for AP holders. Yeah. When are they going to open to to bookings? Because I know the MLS teams are staying yeah. there, right? It says July 29th. So. Mm, okay. Which is interesting because I thought the MLS season was going to go longer than that. but. Well, so here's what I know about MLS. Because yeah. I had bought a ticket package for Atlanta United. Yeah. Uh, it's like the six-game pack or five-game pack. It's basically every good game you know they're all good games but like the 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 premier games where they open up the third level of the stadium i bought Mm -hmm. that and uh, i got a message this week saying that after this you know kick off the season tournament they still plan to play the season and so they haven't given me any refunds for this tickets because they're like you're gonna go to these games later wow (laughs) so (laughs) okay they still think they're going to have a season and I'm going to be going to these games because they haven't paid me back for my tickets yet. What does the do, what does the season range normally? I, can, I don't know what it normally ranges. It's a pretty something. long season. It usually, I mean, it started, uh, I went to one game and it was the week before everything shut down. And that was the first home game that the Atlanta United had. And that was, you know, early March. And it usually goes, I want to say, till fall-ish time frame. There's a lot of different breaks and things in there. 
but it goes on for a very long time. That's the one thing I can say about both yeah. baseball and soccer is that they, they just go forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And baseball typically is on, they would, they would normally play like on average five to six games a week. <laughs> right. Um, it's, I find it interesting that all of these sports pretty much plan on kicking off at the exact same time, like the end of July. They'll probably all shut down at the exact same time too. <laughs> And, and and football will probably be not – I mean, f- I don't know what their plans are. I haven't actually paid close attention to what their plans are. But football would normally be going into their preseason games the beginning of August, right? So, like – The NFL's already canceled the Hall of Fame game. Right. I know that. So, what I'm saying, though, is, is this crossover we're going to see is, like, pretty much every sport in America will be playing at the exact same time at some point unless, you know, something happens prior to the other ones getting started. I really don't see how they play football. I mean, one person on the field has COVID. Everybody's got COVID, right? Well, I mean, basketball, they they, they touch without pads. <laughs> I mean, they're literally all over one another. I just feel like it might be there's fewer of them, and they're going to try to keep that bubble, so I'm hopeful that it'll go better. There's a lot of people on an NFL team. Yeah. Now, I could see how mm-hmm. some of these sports could probably do, like a picture I saw of Universal, with their theater seating, like people were required to wear a mask inside a theater and they put three uh, seats between parties. So that Mm -hmm. could be something they might consider doing with sports. So they have some sort of an audience, but I don't know. Yeah. I think what NASCAR is doing 5,000. Yeah. Something like that. Very little. How they're going to arrange them though. is what I'm getting at. So, right. I'm sure they're spread out. Yeah. Right. All right. So speaking of transportation, (laughs) there you go. Is that a good segue? Not well, really. that's that's the next story I wanted to hit, too. So are there any stock cars that you can take at Disney World? <laughs> there used to not be. Anymore, not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Speedway. Speedway's closed. You know, deaths usually, <laughs> they frown upon that. Yeah, most close of the time. <laughs> yeah. Most of the time. Uh, but the monorail is going to resume service on July 11th for Magic Kingdom Area Express and the Resort Monorail. It's going to resume. The Epcot line is not going to resume, but I'm assuming that's going to be July 15th when Epcot reopens. But we'll see if that uh, changes at all. Well, you, you mentioned the monorail, but the, the important one is yes. the, the Skyliner <laughs> is also opening. Yeah, I was going to get to that, but I was saving the best for first. The monorail. The best But yes, first. go ahead. When, when is the Skyliner reopening? Oh, the same day. So the same day as... Hollywood Studios and Epcot, which makes sense. Yeah. Why would it open earlier than that? <laughs> we should now put a poll out on Twitter. That's like if you had a yeah. choice to choose between the monorail and the Skyliner to just ride as a ride, not as a mode of transportation, which would you choose? Hmm. Okay. We'll put it out there, John. Okay. I think I want to. Do- I'm just curious. Put it out there. We'll be clear. We're talking the Disney World monorail. That's right. true. Yeah. Right. Not Disneyland. Disney World monorail versus Skyliner. Or maybe we could do all three, right? Disneyland. Monorail. I like both, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. Okay, I may like both, but to. you're going to choose the monorail. I already know. The monorail is always tops for me. Just like. Which just monorail is your favorite? The Disneyland or the Disney World? Yeah. Disney World. Size does you, matter. The other one's a little <laughs> bit cramped, you think? Oh, brother. No, the Disney World one does. is That's what I grew up on. It's nostalgic for me. That's all. There's that. And now the and now the smell is that is nostalgic, right? Because those are the exact same monorails that I rode when I was like five years old. So yeah, there's nothing different about them. That is true. Yeah, <laughs> the same monorails we've been riding for thirty years, just about. 
Yeah, no change. Except for the interior on some of them. I've literally grown old with the monorail. <laughs> what else is open? We have those two, but what else? As far as transportation? Transportation-wise? Yeah. <laughs> well, we have your own car. Yeah. Okay. Buses have been open. Ferry boat. Ferry boat's going to open. Oh, yeah, they've been testing the ferry boat. Yes, I've seen that. And, and you can do a water taxi from Polynesian Wilderness Lodge or Fort Wilderness. Yep, which makes sense. But the friendship boats will not be open. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for Epcot, right? Yeah. The friendship boat between Epcot and Hollywood Studios is closed. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. You'll have the Skyliner option. Minivans are also not offered. Mm, that is interesting. I guess not enough demand to make it worth their money. Why don't they just charge $200 a ride rather than 100 Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, let me check the uh, app. Oh, it's $200 to go to Magic Kingdom <laughs> from Wilderness Lodge. <laughs> All right, never mind. All right, so let's see. What other news? Oh, I have one for John. All right. Okay. Just in case you were wondering, the Up Great Bird Adventure Show is going to open. It's going to be It's going to be open? All right. Yep. Well, I might, I might have to make a trip then. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to book a trip just for this. It says Definitely. that the modifications are no Up characters will be involved. You won't see Russell or his furry pal Doug during the show. It'll just be the birds and the cast member trainers. So it's now Flights of Wonder again. Right. It's up the Great Bird Adventure minus the up part. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's now Flights of Wonder. The again, Bird Adventure. Pretty much. The other thing that this article is telling me, which I just read, is there are two places in Animal Kingdom where you can go without a mask, where you can take a break, and that is at Pete Safari or the seating area for Rivers of Light. Hmm. Uh, that makes sense. Because that was a popular spot to just hang out when you have kids that need a break or whatever. I was going to say, because there's not going to be people in either of those places for any other reason, right? Is that the reason why they chose those two spots? No. Well, there's enough space to spread out, too. Yeah, how many people are going to be regulars that are going to be like, what is this place? Pizza Fari. What is that? (laughs) You know, (laughs) Pizza Fari. It had, from my understanding, you know, this was not long before they shut everything down, improved when they added some sort of a buffet or whatever, I think, for dinner, there was a lot of people that were talking how good that was and how good of a price it was, especially. So, I mean, I actually like the pizza from Pizza Fari. We've ordered it before. It's pretty good. There you go. It gets a bad rap on some of the shows. Yeah. I mean, it's not the best pizza you're ever going to eat, but you're at a theme park. Right, exactly. <laughs> what do you expect? You know? Like, what am I supposed to compare it to? I mean, yeah. I'm at a theme park. I'm at Disney. Like, you know, I don't consider like something like, say, Little Caesars to be the best pizza ever, but, you know, it's going to be ready and it only costs me five bucks. I'll still get it occasionally. Yeah. There's much better food at Animal Kingdom, in my opinion. I mean, obviously, Satouli. Satouli. And then Asia and Africa have some pretty good booths, like, you know, areas that you can get some pretty quick service. I like um, a lot of good sit down dining. Yeah. At Hollywood Studios, we can start having a different conversation because there's not a whole lot going on dining wise over there. Right. Of course, you know, uh, you forgot Rainforest. What? Rainforest what? <laughs> That's outside I the getting, park. I was doing that to get a reaction out of Adam, not out of you. What? That's yeah, outside of the park. I have the guy. same feelings about Rainforest because when my family used to go, um, which we didn't go nearly as often as you guys did. I've only been a few times when I was a kid. <clears throat> I think twice. Yeah. And then I went once as an adult with my family and... Every time it was Rainforest Cafe, the places that we always booked, because it was always like a three-night trip, and we always ate at the same places the whole family would book. Rainforest Cafe, Beer Garden, <laughs> and I can't remember the third, but I just know we always had to eat Beer Garden Obviously, and the third Rainforest was Cafe. <laughs> 
I think we did a Thanksgiving meal at Rainforest Cafe. The last time I had a meal at Rainforest, though, was actually, it was quite good. It might have been the beverage that made it seem better, but it was good. Right. That'll make anything taste better. <laughs> well, since you're talking about alcohol, it's going to be very difficult to find alcohol at Disney. I'm going to be curious if they're going to even be selling the wine at the food and wine booths because of the new restriction on Florida, at Florida, the new restriction the governor of Florida put in on uh, on-premises alcohol sales. So I'm wondering how that's going to happen at Epcot, if they're going to say that since you're walking away, you can sell alcohol at the food and wine booths. I'm assuming that means places that have sit-down will not be serving alcohol. I know places yeah, like yeah. the Jock Lindsay Hangar Bar is already closed. And right. Dockside Margaritas and stuff like that. I feel like the Food and Wine Festival will still have alcohol because they want people to show up to it. So, Yeah, but if the, if the state mandate says no on-premise alcohol, does that count as on-premise? I'm sure there's a... I'm sure there's a Well, I mean, I feel like the, I don't, I gotta, I don't know. I have to read how it's laid out all together, but I feel like the purpose of it is to keep people from gathering in a place, you know, close together. I think that's the purpose behind it. You know, like world showcase. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, they're not going to, there's not going to be enough people in the entire park for that to be a factor. So I'd guarantee you that Mexico will still be a bottleneck. It'll be like, yeah, you'll be like, there's nobody here except in Mexico. We'll find out because we'll see Resort TV One walk through there, and we'll right. be able to find out. <laughs> right, you can never get through there without having to slow down. This would be a good poll. Do you, when you walk into Epcot, do you go left or right? Do you go Mexico or Canada? Which is the correct way, in your opinion? Yeah, that is a good debate because sometimes we do both, but I would say the majority of the time we do go the Mexico side. Yeah, we almost always. Start I feel left. like we've started shifting to Canada recently, Adam. Yeah, like that's what I was saying. I think we have done that a lot, but well, typically know. we're at Epcot and we're going the Canada route, and I think the Skyliner has played into that because they're like, let's go hop over to Hollywood Studios, and so right. if you're going to take the Skyliner, you go the Canada <laughs> side. Or we usually just come in that way, so we head towards the uh, UK Canada, <laughs> just because we got off the Skyliner. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing. You can sort of do an Epcot loop go over, take the Skyliner to Hollywood Studios, come back to Epcot and do World Showcase at dinner. You know. Right. I still feel like one of the main reasons why most people go left is because there are rides on the left side. Yeah, at least two yeah. right there. I mean, the only rides in World Showcase are on that right there. I the also beginning. think that, that Mexico is one of the biggest draws from like people who want to drink around the world. Oh, I'm sure. I know that, you know. Most people are familiar with the margarita. So, right. There's, there's, you know, I can go to Mexico and there's like three different places I can get a margarita right there. Right. Yeah. Canada has like nothing. Right. You go to UK if you want to drink going to the right. Yeah. It's surprising. Canada should have something better. They have maple syrup if you want to try that. <laughs> sure. Just drink some maple syrup. So there's construction going on at Tron. Again, people have noticed that today or recently. It has resumed construction, even though. Uh, Disney mentioned something about maybe kind of tiering the construction and doing it in phases, not necessarily straight construction all the way through. So it sounds like another cost-saving measure there, but maybe a delay of opening for Tron, possibly. I mean, how can you delay that which has already been delayed and don't know what it's going to be open? Right, because they stopped construction for like three months. 
maybe they're shifting money towards the Splash Mountain rethink. They gotta see how much they gotta see how much money they make off of the soft opening, so to speak, and off the MLS and NBA. Right. All right, are we are we done with the news? Are we ready to move on to our story or any other news you want to mention? Yeah, I'm ready to hit up the story, man. We're gonna plunge into the Splash Mountain story. Yep, I'm ready to take the dive. Take the dive. <laughs> All right, so moving on to our main story today. This was announced, I think, like hours after we recorded our show last week. It was like the next day. Yeah, I I mean, it was not long after we, uh, very shortly. So we were actually about to talk about it, the the rumor at the time. And I'm glad Mm we held off because I think we teased it last week that we were going to talk about this. And it just so turned out that Disney made the official announcement that Splash Mountain will be rethemed to Princess and the Frog. There's been rumblings about this over the last several years. And then a petition online, like two weeks later, Disney announces that it's going to be rethemed to Princess and the Frog. They sort of alluded to the fact that this has been in the works for about a year or so. And that... You know, now they're going to put it at the forefront, obviously, and I think, you know, I personally think it's a, a good move that, you know, it's very similar to the whole Pirates of the Caribbean auction thing, you know, trying to be a little bit more current with the projects that they're, or the, the attractions make them a little bit more appropriate for all audiences, so... What do you guys think about this before we get into... I think we'll talk about, like, the whole history of it and the changes and all that stuff, but... What are your initial thoughts on the change? I'm glad they're changing it. It needed to happen, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, the there's people who have nostalgia for things, but then there's also the realization or awakening by many folks, many folks who have been awakened all, for a while, but others that are finally realizing you can't just brush aside the source material. You can't right. brush aside some of the origins of some of the songs and and the characterization. So it's something that's been brought up many times over the years. Now is the time to do it. Princess and the Frog, I think will be a great theme for it. I just hope they, uh, you know, they keep that same sort of length of ride. And, you know, I don't, I'm hoping they don't like redo the track or anything. You know, I kind of, I highly doubt that would ever happen. Cause I think that's one of the things I like about Splash Mountain even more so than the, you know, you know, I know people are like, oh, it's a story and all that. You can tell any story in that canvas. It's just a really nice, you know, build up. Yeah. You get a couple of drops in and you get, I think they, they have a nice template to work with there. Following up on what he just said, if there's one thing Disney is known for, it's definitely of not making structural changes because that would be spending money. So if they can at all costs avoid that, they do. I mean, yeah. just right. about all the Excellent. examples you can think of over the years. Yeah. Winnie the Pooh is actually the track that it rides on is one of the sides of Mr. Toad to the T, exactly the same track. Right. Um, yeah, to the T. <laughs> Pardon the pun, right? Uh-huh. Pardon the T. Yeah. <laughs> T for Toad. The Model T. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. But yeah, and things like that. So yeah, if, if history with Disney says anything, that yeah, they'll change as little as they have to. If this is going to be one of those things where they change the animatronics they're probably even going to try to keep as much of the background stuff since i I think one of the reasons for picking princess and the frog as the setting is because a lot of the scenes in the movie and stuff that they can work with kind of go along with some of the existing set pieces 
in for or at least parts of it. Yeah, and some of the yeah. current animatronics can probably stay. But as far as the change, I mean, at this point, I mean, there were Splash Mountain at one point in time. I actually did consider my favorite attraction, and uh, part of it is because it was kind of like the total package. It's just the landscapes changed a little bit. Going with something a little more current, too, like, uh, again, at, up until now, there's probably not a lot of people that would even associated the ride in the movie at times because they did, just didn't know. Uh, and having a newer IP put in place, um, even though that IP is technically 11 years back when it was made. Yeah. It's, it's, it's more mm-hmm. relevant than the Song of the South movie for sure. Right. So as of right now, as of the recording of this, it will be changed in Disneyland in California and Disney World in Florida. Tokyo, I think the latest I heard is they're considering changing it as well there, but Disney doesn't really have as much of a say at Tokyo as they do, of course, in the U.S. They just license out everything to Tokyo. But it fits really well, I think, in Disneyland because it's right next to New Orleans Square. You can kind of just extend New Orleans Square over to Splash Mountain, I think, to include Princess and the Frog, which is obviously set in New Orleans. Splash Mountain never really completely fit in Florida's Frontierland necessarily, but it fit in the sense that it really complemented Big Thunder, I thought, being right next to it and the area and the music and the style made it feel like Frontierland, even though it was technically themed to a southern kind of atmosphere, I guess. Well, Disney World, it was the best fit there. Hmm. Of all the lands and everything they had, it was the best fit. I mean, the only other option you could have even considered would have been Fantasyland, and Fantasyland at that time was very uniformed as far as that, you know what I'm talking about, that exterior like like Small World has and Peter Pan, and like pretty much every other attraction over there at the time, that was built right. had that look <laughs> out front to it not very much creativity to how it looked so it wouldn't yeah. really would have stuck out over there truthfully and it wouldn't have been as kid fr- as kid friendly yeah so it's not really gonna be frontier land necessarily but it never really was so i don't think it's really gonna well, matter i think it much. depends on when you want to say the frontier was right mm, yes i mean there's there's when they did the louisiana purchase Frontierland yeah, is still as much Frontierland frontier. as it ever was with what they have over there. Everything else is still original, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, even the shooting arcade. Right. I mean, just, right. I mean, Frontierland's probably been touched the least <laughs> of all the lands, if you think about it. The only thing it's ever had added to it is Splash Mountain. Well, Thunder was not there originally, but yeah, I get, yeah, I get what you It's been untouched saying. over the years, it's been untouched the most, if you really think about that. Things that have been put there haven't been changed that much, yeah. Right. Now, I will say that I was reading one of the Twitter, uh, Diz Twitter folks, I think her her handle is like Sing for Fay or something like that. She was saying they should add a restaurant, too. Yeah, I agree with that. Get Tiana's restaurant, get some, especially at Disney World, since you don't have like a New Orleans Square, get the beignets. Mm-hmm. There is room, I think, over there. I think you could put it in there. I would say some of that, like, exit area, there's probably room over there to make at least a small something. I think some people were talking about taking the idea of the dining that's on the cruise ships and having it in the parks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that would be great, actually. That would also make it a dinner show, almost, because that's what they kind of do on the cruise ship. 
with what I forgot what it's called. Tiana's mm. is it Tiana's Kitchen? Is it? Tiana's Place, isn't it? Tiana's Place. That's right. Just like the movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was right. thinking they called it something a little different though for some reason. But you know, at the same time, if they do that, you'd want it to be done justice. So I don't know what kind of space we're talking about that they would have that availability. They might could at least do something with the beignets, like Jason just said. Have a place. Yes, so that you don't have to go over to Port Orleans to get the beignets. <laughs> That's right. all he's really concerned about. <laughs> yes. No, I think I agree. I think you should at least have a beignet stand. That would be perfect. But as far as needing to change the land, like the name of the land or anything, just because we're changing the no, you don't really need to. I mean, let's be honest. That theming, uh, caring about how well things blend in together, kind of went out the window with pretty much anything at Hollywood Studios, we'll just say. I mean, it pretty much all just went out the window. Uh, California Adventure, whenever it was built. I mean, theming. Yeah. California Adventure is a mess. Theming yeah, went out is. the window. <laughs> so, Well, let's get into the history of it, since I was going to talk about some different things and plug the giant Mark Davis Imagineering book that I just bought that I teased last week, too. So it opened... July 17th, 1989 at Disneyland and famously had Ernest P. Worrell, as it was said in the special that they had. He opened the ride because Ernest was very big in the 80s. That was a pretty fun special to watch as a kid, too. Yes. It's on YouTube, so if you want to watch. I mean, obviously I was interested in it because he was going on the attraction. I wanted to see the attraction or parts of it. But, but, you know, back when that was open, I wanted to go do that. But course they eventually brought it to walt disney world just a few years later right yeah exactly three years later it says october 2nd 1992 is the official opening day yeah. and tokyo it opened october 1st 1992 it says so a little bit earlier for the official opening but the major difference you know the disneyland one is the old school style log flume ride so it's the front to back seating yeah Whereas uh, Magic Kingdom and Tokyo have the wider seats, which I think are much better. The two, definitely, two to a row. And I I watched Tokyo's today just to see because I haven't, I don't know that I've ever watched Tokyo's before. It's like a mirror image of the one at Magic Kingdom. It goes the opposite direction. So up the hills? <laughs> well, not like the turns, I should say. Not the. I know. I'm I'm just being silly. <laughs> But yeah, all the turns seem to be opposite of what they are in uh, Florida, which is interesting. That would be pretty, pretty awesome to see if they could make a log flume, like shoot at high speed up the hill and see what would happen. You could, you can make it like a salmon <laughs> ride. You're going upstream. <laughs> sure. That would be interesting. <laughs> you go slow down the hills. They, they, they could theme it to Disney's bears. You know, you, you go up the, the stream and you're trying not to get <laughs> eaten by the bear. Oh, boy. That's funny. That's a good movie. Bears is a good. You mean movie. Country Bears? The, yeah, <laughs> no, the documentary, right? No, the, no, no. Oh, I thought you meant Country Bears. Disney Bears. Bears, which is on Disney Plus, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah Watch oh, it. So is Country Bears. So the original uh, name for Splash Mountain was Zippity River Run. Yeah. <laughs> and it was Michael Eisner who suggested changing the name. And he wanted Mountain in the name because of the other mountains at Disneyland, Space Mountain and Big Thunder Mountain. See, there were actually a lot of things to thank Eisner for back in the day. Yeah. (laughs) Just saying. Right. Grizzly River Run, I assume, was kind of a nod to that. Maybe so. At California Adventure, just... Now, 
if I can interject this, I don't know if you're going to say this part, but however, I just said that about Michael Eisner, but however, he wanted the new ride to somehow promote the Tom Hanks, Daryl Hannah romantic comedy splash. Right. Splash. So I really kind of gave him, it was a two edged sword there there with that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because that would have already been changed by now. I'm sure. Right. If they had done that one, because that movie did not. I mean, that movie, there were still some remnants of it up until the the changes at Hollywood Studios. They had a fountain or uh, of Daryl Hannah out back back in. It was close Mm -hmm. to the Honey, I Shrunk the uh, Kids playground. It was in that general Mm -hmm. area. Now, wasn't that their first live action film as uh, Touchstone? Possibly. I think that was. It was in that. It was one of the first Touchstone films. Anyway, but yeah, Splash. Mountain, that's kind of interesting. Yes. But so they stayed with the name and then just decided to still go with the... Always promoting. Yeah, with the Song of the South <laughs> tie-in instead. Well, let's see. So to trace back, I was actually tracing the history of this attraction back as far as the opening of Walt Disney World, just because in this book there's a huge chapter dedicated to Western River Expedition and all the artwork and all the models that... Mark Davis had built for this attraction, but you know, it was such a big attraction it wasn't able to be built for the opening of Walt Disney World. But I th- we've talked about this on the show before, but of course the the lack of Pirates of the Caribbean when Disney World opened uh, and the guest demand for it really put the Western River Expedition back on the shelf because uh, their rides were going to be similar and you know it's funny they I there's a quote in this book too about how they should have done focus groups but they just didn't do that back then they that wasn't a thing apparently so they just assumed that guests who live or go to Florida would be too close to the actual Caribbean to care about yeah. a ride themed to the Caribbean so they thought an a western themed ride would be more interesting for people who may not have ever gone out west or something like that or that kind of thing so their assumption was way off (laughs) but yeah but i mean if you think about it if it had come to fruition it would have been popular but the thing is they'd already had the success of pirates so people wanted the pirates and right because they had seen it on tv they knew pirates right right and they should have known that but uh, I, I find it interesting, too, that Tony Baxter is the Imagineer responsible for Big Thunder and for Splash Mountain. He's kind of the lead Imagineer there. You know, He built Big Thunder, and it says in this book that he had left the plot of land left of Big Thunder available for Western River Expedition if it was ever to be built. But I, it, it shows here that Mark Davis was pretty upset about that that you know he did all this work and then tony baxter sort of takes a piece of it and gets that built but his all his work sort of went in the garbage essentially so he was not very happy about tony baxter doing that and the other thing that i i found kind of ironic that tony baxter says is that the way native americans were portrayed in culture was starting to shift and he said that was one of the main reasons why this he knew the ride would never be built. Uh, it's kind of ironic that he would go on to do Splash Mountain with the theme of Song of the South, but, you know. So let me fast forward to the 80s, which there's a whole other big, long chapter dedicated to America Sings, which was an attraction at Disneyland that you can still see on YouTube 
today. And if you watch America Sings, you'll see pretty much every single character that's in Splash Mountain in America Sings. The exact same animatronics. That's because uh, America Sings actually took over where Carousel of Progress was at Disneyland in Tomorrowland, of all places. Uh, so it didn't really seem to fit in Tomorrowland. That may have been part of the reason why the show kind of lost popularity. But it was in the Carousel Progress Theater. It doesn't say this specifically in the book, but I'm trying to read between the lines that I feel like Tony Baxter was trying to save the animatronics from America Sings as a way to preserve a little bit of Mark Davis's work that, you know, in the Western River Expedition, he kind of threw it out the window, essentially, and so now he's trying to do something to kind of save some of his work, which at this time Mark Davis had retired. So, you know, the story is actually in the Imagineering Story documentary that, you know, he was stuck in traffic one day and he was thinking about the the animated characters from Song of the South, and he was like, it could really yeah. work for taking the America Sings characters and put them in this attraction where you can tell the story of Br'er Rabbit and Br'er Fox and have these other characters supporting and use the songs and that kind of thing. So that's essentially yeah. how it came to be what it is today, and it's really from that, you know, trying to help save some of these uh, animatronics that were from another Mark Davis attraction, America Sings. So if you look at that on YouTube, yeah, every single character, basically, with the exception of one or two, I think the Eagle, which ironically was named Sam the Eagle, did not make it, and there was one or two others, but pretty much every other character was used for Splash Mountain. Right, and it fit right in, so that was another thing. Yeah. And two, pretty much the only thing you're going to really notice in Splash Mountain in regards to even the cartoon parts of Song of the South are the characters themselves and, of course, the songs. But when you go through, it doesn't tell the same story, per se, except for the Briar Patch part, which is the you know the highlight, I guess, or the climax. Yeah, well, they The rest of it, you would not really correlate. If you had seen the, the cartoons or the films at all, the rest of it, you would not correlate the story part. <laughs> really with it it's not it doesn't follow it that closely other than taking the characters so yeah it would be i mean of course how could you you couldn't follow it to the t or else it wouldn't fit in with the drops you know and things like that so i know when i was a kid uh the only thing i knew from song of the south was the disney sing-along video vhs mm -hmm. that had zippity doodah on there i think that was the only thing i remember that had maybe pieces of Song of the South on it. And two, the cartoon characters in the film were actually voiced by African-American actors, unlike a certain scene in Dumbo. That's all I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> There's a warning about that if you watch Dumbo. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I can't think of the gentleman's name, the guy that played Uncle Remus. He actually voiced Br'er Fox as well. So he yes. not only played... Uh, the... James Basket or something like that. Yes, Basket. that's it. Yes. I think the problem is, is that sort of view of glorifying the old Southern way, it becomes so normalized that people were desensitized and accepting of it. And I think that's where we're awakening to understanding how that can be very hurtful and reaping open old wounds. And so now we're starting to see people become awakened and some people becoming more entrenched. And it's just really sad to see those becoming more entrenched that want to 
hold on to something that is an idealized version of a very dark time in our history. Right. I think that we've seen a lot of progress and I think this isn't like the thing that that's going to solve all of that, but I do think it's a step in the right direction and I'm glad that they are changing it and I just hope they do it justice and don't do a a cheap job right. on it, you know. Do it do it right, make it be top quality so that nobody can say, you know, this is a lower quality attraction. And then the only reason they can complain is because they like Song of the South better than Princess and the Frog. <laughs> right. And then that's not good. Well, if you're comparing the films, I mean, Princess and the Frog is like 10 times above Song of the South. <laughs> oh, yeah. So the source material to work with is, is definitely, they definitely got something better to work with. Just yeah. saying. Yeah. And supposedly, from what I'm reading, the, the story they're going to use is going to be after the end of the movie, basically. Right. Rather than recreating the movie, it's going to be like they're preparing for a party. Right. Like a Mardi Gras celebration. Yeah, I think that's what it was. But of course, they're probably going to incorporate some of the really good songs, like Almost There, Dig a Little See, Deeper. Uh, yeah. Know. I was thinking Dig a Little Deeper and Going Down the Bayou were perfect yeah. fits to go in an attraction. Some of them are not so good to fit in. I was trying to figure out how they would fit in Almost There and make it, you yeah. know, because usually attraction songs are upbeat especially when I think about it in comparison to what Splash Mountain is now, like they used all the upbeat songs. I don't think they had any that weren't upbeat, actually, now that I think about it. At the very beginning, like saying Down in New Orleans, I mean, I don't know if you incorporate that one in there. I mean, how many songs do you fit in from the movie? You know what I mean? That's my... I mean, there's some slower parts to Splash Mountain, right? You don't have to keep yeah. it. Yeah. And I love that kind of music, too, that, you know... Jazz kind of... New Orleans jazz, yeah. I'm, I'm just... Very excited about that. Just give me a beignet right. at the end. <laughs> Call it good. Yeah, just hand you a beignet when you get off the ride. Yeah. You know, I'll say this of the Splash Mountain, like the original soundtracks, because they were so different between Disneyland and Disney World. I actually kind of preferred the Disney World, not just because I wrote it, because, you know, I listened to both. And I kind of preferred the giving it the little bit of a, what do you want to call it? Like a bluegrass style to the mm. songs was better than the I don't what would you call it typical Disney I don't know how you describe it it just it seemed the track soundtrack was better in my opinion at Disney World than it was in hmm. Disneyland so, I didn't really know to realize there was much of a difference but I'll have to look and see or listen oh, go listen go watch it on YouTube I mean there's a huge difference I mean the the soundtrack and the Disneyland is like the old style, like, I don't know, sounds like something you'd hear out of Snow White or Cinderella or something, that style of music, very orchestrated hmm. type deal. Whereas in Disney World, like I said, it's kind of bluegrass, and I kind of enjoyed the bluegrass style soundtrack yeah. uh, right. than I did hmm. the the Disneyland. Yeah. To Jason's point earlier about, you know, we want to make sure they don't kind of just slap on a few things and it's not as good. Uh, where do you think the budget's going to come from? I don't think they're starting this until a year or two. Yeah. From, like I think oh, they're going to do it question. soon, but I think they're, I think they're going to wait because they're going to get some money before they do this. I think the announcement, the timing was just like, you know, we're going to do this anyway. Let's go ahead and announce it given the climate. So. I think they're looking at everything and trying to say what appeals to you know everyone and wouldn't be offensive or upsetting to anybody. I think the longer this sits like this, the more it's going to be in the news and people are going to continue asking like, okay, why haven't you done this? 
Yeah. And people are going to start being jerks at right. that ride even more yeah. so. And so they need the. I, I honestly think, and they've already said it's going to open as is when the parks do reopen, assuming that's going to be in two, about 10 days or whatever from now. But I think that they will probably do this starting uh, when it usually goes down January-ish, February. It usually goes down for six to eight weeks. I think they'll extend that and maybe open it next summer with a you know three to six month downtime. I think that's optimistic because, I mean, depending on what how many changes they plan on making to the actual attraction. Yeah. Dep- that will determine how much downtime they may actually need, but we're really not even out of the, we'll call it COVID-19 stage mm-hmm. as far as Disney goes, let's be honest, because things are really, the parks aren't open. They're scheduled to open, but we don't really know how that's going to play out uh, over the course of the rest of the year, especially with Disneyland. Disneyland, there's a possibility they might be pretty late into this year before they actually open the way mm-hmm. things are going with legislation and everything out there. Well, I guess we call it legislation, but mm-hmm. you know, with the, with the governor and, uh, and you know, um, guidance and cooperation and everything, uh, and union as well. So that might even be fall before they get opened out there. Yeah, so, I mean, there's be. a lot of unknowns as to where they are money wise and what they're going to be able to afford to do. Yeah. As far as this goes, I still think that's a little ambitious saying that they could do it in January. Well, I, I yeah, it is optimistic, but I, I'm thinking the longer this sits, the more, as Jason pointed out, you know, things are going to be happening that are going to catch headlines that they don't want. So I feel like they, the sooner the better on this and maybe the spaceship earth refurbs put on hold and, you know, Tron, they did announce certain projects would be, uh, staggered, I guess, as far as construction. So maybe they're trying to come up with the money to do this. That's what it seems like to me. I'm just guessing. But Well, here's kind of the issue as far as I kind of see it here. Do we want them to change it and it be the best attraction it can possibly be? Or do we want them just to change it as fast as possible because we want to get rid of the old one and don't have to deal with that? Because if you do that, you're most likely going to get a watered-down attraction. Well, supposedly this has been in the works for a year now, so <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. I want to talk about the concept art, too, because we do have a piece of concept art. What do we think, what you see in the concept art? You know, the tree is basically going to be added to, like, a living tree <laughs> instead of just a stump, and then it's going to have a boat on top of it, and it looks like they're going to add some more trees that, you know, maybe look more New Orleans style or uh, swampy looking trees. That's about it that that we see from the concept art other than Tiana sitting there on a boat. But uh, I think the thing that will make it stand out that might make it a little jarring in its yeah. place is how green this concept yeah, art looks. True, yeah. So they're going to really green it up. And it looks like the color of the rocks are not that kind of red color. They're, they look grayish colored now. So that's interesting. If the past, once again, tells us anything, the concept art versus the finished project is like looking at the quarter pounder on an advertisement and then actually getting <laughs> the one. The actual one, yeah. Yeah, so right. just saying. <laughs> Still good. Also interesting in the concept art, they're showing the Walt Disney World version because the boats show the two wide. just thought that was interesting. 
fits the better boat. <laughs> That's why, I guess. <laughs> and don't worry, Adam. Whenever we ride it, you'll be the one that gets the <laughs> most wet. Like, you always get. I always forget that I don't want to sit on the right side. <laughs> I always end up sitting on the right side, front row, which is the worst spot to be in. Because you get splashed on the that side when you go around the first where the big drop is and you're up top and you know you're going around there and then at the end after everything's over this waterfall that you always forget about after the big drop right before you unload is I never uh, really there. thought there was a dis- distinction between which side of the boat you sat in and which as far mm-hmm. as front to back Adam always sits on the right, and he gets way, way more yes. wet than the right side than is worse than when I'm on the left side. Definitely uh-huh. worse. So I guess I should also shout out the Imagineers working on this. Charita Carter is the lead on this, and but Tony Baxter is going to be a creative consultant. I think that's good that they'll be collaborating on this. So yeah, with um, him having done the original, yeah, Charita. Her contribution so far, I know, has been Mickey Minnie's Runaway Railway. She was very involved in that one. We're stepping up with some diversity here in the uh, Imagineering department. So, I was just—I was actually looking back at Splash stuff about Splash Mountain. The uh, voice of Br'er Rabbit is actually Jess Harnell, who he voiced Wacko Warner in oh, the really? hmm. Animaniacs. And apparently he also voiced Br'er Fox in the attraction, but the Br'er Bear voice is actually the original actor who did it in Song of the South, oh, Nick really? Stewart. Huh. Yeah. Did he re-record? I guess he would have had to. He had to because, yeah, the lines hmm. weren't the same. So, yeah, at the, he, was, he would have been pretty old at that point, I would imagine, but he still did it. So um, back to Sharita Carter, by the way, I just looked her up and it popped up with her LinkedIn, which I found one aspect here a little interesting. She's been with Walt Disney Imagineering for 23 years, but when she started with Imagineering, it was not as an Imagineer. It was apparently as the accounting team leader, and then she was a finance manager before she went on to become a show producer and a senior creative producer. So she did 10 years in the finance area, which might come in handy considering they don't... (laughs) have a whole lot of money yeah she knows how to work the money that's a good thing that's like a weird jump isn't it going from finance to the creative that's usually two different sides of the brain (laughs) well you know i'm sure there's what you got to get in first pay your yeah right It, it speaks to if you have any position there you can present your ideas and maybe eventually get moved into a creative role just get in the door and you know, try to work work your way into the creative side, which I think is really neat. So it's a testament to the type of intelligence she possesses, in my yeah. opinion. One thing that I had here, too, on Splash Mountain, of course, the drop is the climax, right? Right. Between Disneyland, Disney World, and Tokyo Disneyland, which drop do you think is the tallest? I would say Florida's, but maybe I'm wrong. What do you think, Jason? It might actually be Tokyo, but I'm going to guess Florida. I'm going to guess Florida as well. Adam, you would have been right if you had gone with Tokyo. I guess Tokyo wanted to be bigger and better. (laughs) Yes. It's actually 52 and a half feet at both Disneyland and Disney World. There's no significant difference between the two. Really? But at Tokyo Disneyland, it's a full 60 feet for the drop, and it can go as fast as 40 miles an hour. So that's like eight feet bigger. Mm -hmm. That's a good bet. You know how I like the gophers 
Yeah. Yeah. It kind of sounds like they're saying something, but it's not. And it kind of sounds like a sneeze, so to speak. This apparently says he's actually saying FSU as a nod to Florida State University because the Imagineer who worked on the ride <laughs> was a Florida State University alumni. If it sounds like he's saying a word, he actually is saying something. Well, not really a word, but he actually is spelling out letters. He's saying FSU. <laughs> okay. So. Little hidden things. Yeah. Oh, I was going to ask, too, while I'm thinking about that. Um, are they going to have, like, Rare Rabbit handing the deed over to Tiana okay. at some uh, point? Right? <laughs> a picture or something in the wall? I see that <laughs> happening. <laughs> I'm going to be interested to see how they're going to incorporate, like, effectively theming the splat, the, the drop in uh, the new ride. I mean, I just want to know how they're going to do it. Because, the you know, the way the story is now, the Briar Patch part, fits perfectly right and two if they when they change it i'm assuming they're going to have to take the briars away as you can see yeah the concept art yeah. doesn't show much other than maybe a kind of grassy knoll and some swampy looking plants i don't know <laughs> it doesn't look like briars i actually hope they include ray in the ride for sure of course if it's after the movie i don't know how they can because Ray's kind of my favorite character of that movie. I enjoy, I enjoy his even that song. I just like the the upbeatness, I guess, of that going down the bayou. All right. Well, I need to rewatch Princess and the Frog this week. Right. After I watch Hamilton first. Yes. Yeah, I think I will have to rewatch it as well just to get a refresher on it. We've listened to the songs a lot lately. I've seen it enough in the last year or so. I'm it's very fresh with me. I could probably quote it to you if you want me to. <laughs> <laughs> so i could also see maybe would they move say the tiana meet and greet and maybe bring back naveen as well and put it somewhere over that way mm, that would be interesting to have a meet and greet over there because you don't ever really have meet and greets there it's something that the little kids could do while the other like because there is a height requirement that you know you do have that little playground down there right now and it's pretty popular with the very little kids while people ride swap and all that so why not throw a meet and greet or something well there is a time period it's been a while since i've seen it but you have seen brer fox and brer bear in that area it's been a while since i've seen them though it's been a while since i've seen them at all i don't know i feel like i've seen brer bear uh i don't know maybe i'm confusing it with the country bears because they always hang out uh one of the things I always think about with Brer Bear is like his incidents over the year, like, you know, especially on the America's Funniest Videos back in the day whenever he fell off the parade float. That's always what I think about when it comes to him. <laughs> and then, of course, now you see them hooked to the float <laughs> whenever they have a character like that. <laughs> yes. So they yes, cannot I'm, do that anymore. That's true. Lot, I'm pretty sure Brer Bear is the reason that that strap yes. is now there. You can, I guess it's kind of like thank the Phoenicians, thank Brer Bear. <laughs> for the strap so i think we've talked this one down but i wanted to know if you want to make a tease for next week adam to predict what's going to break three hours after we stop your prediction oh <laughs> well it could be that disney world is pushing back the opening date but could be a possibility things are continuing to having to be tightened as far as restrictions for reopening things so well there was technically a story that broke like right before we did this that we didn't even mention <laughs> About the former Walt Disney World cast member accused of stealing a hundred grand with fraudulent refunds. Yeah. Wow. Nothing surprises me this year. Apparently, the cast member was a former guest experience services coordinator, and she accomplished this by issuing fraudulent refunds, which were then deposited into bank accounts belonging to her as well as her friends and family. 
The FDLE wow. says they, that Disney notified them of the suspect behavior and handed over 45 records of what they believe to be fraudulent credit, debit, and check refunds, and that these transactions took place, get this, over a two-year span from March 2016 through June 2018. Each refund ranged from a few hundred to a few thousand dollars. And, of course, she is now charged with grand theft and currently being held on a $100,000 bail in Osceola County Jail. I guess when you're as big as Disney, when you keep it into that small, you don't notice it for two years. I don't know how it came about that they've discovered it. I'm assuming an audit. But, yeah. Hmm. That's pretty bold. I guess. But you always... Yeah. Right. To put it in your own account or friends of yours' accounts, you got to launder that through something, right? <laughs> don't at least have some separation from your... Next week on <laughs> Traveling with the Mouse, how to launder <laughs> stolen money. Right. <laughs> That's what we're going to tease for next week. So to tie it back to Splash Mountain, I wanted I, I just came across this uh, quote from Carmen Smith, who is the Creative Development and Inclusive Strategies Executive at Walt Disney Imagineering. She says, We continually evaluate opportunities to enhance and elevate experiences for our guests. It is important that our guests be able to see themselves in the experiences we create because we consider ourselves constant learners we go to great lengths to research and engage cultural advisors and other experts to help guide us along the way. I am incredibly proud to see this work continue to move forward with great support from Disney leadership. So basically, representation matters, and I think that's a good thing. So, All right, so I'll just mention that you can visit our website if you want to get in touch with us. Our website is travelingwiththemouse.com, and we have an email address, podcast at travelingwiththemouse.com and we have a Patreon page if you want to help support the show that way it's patreon.com slash podcast. we are on social media on Facebook Twitter and Instagram that is all at TWTMPodcast we also have a Spreadshirt store which uh, if you want you can uh, get a mask there with our logo on it as well right now as long as our other merch as well as our other merchandise that is shop.spreadshirt.com slash TWTM podcast. So for John, Jason, and myself, this has been Traveling with the Mouse, and we will see you on our next trip. Dig a little deeper. Dig a little deeper, America. Dig a little deeper. Find, find out where your mask is. I'm not throwing away my... <laughs> Mask. I'm not throwing away my mask. mask. <laughs>